Grace, mercy, and peace be multiplied to all of you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Don't often stand in here these days, but I was afraid I would knock something over if I stood over there. Today we look at John the Baptizer and what I think is a difficult and yet very helpful and marvelous story. And it has to do with, well, to put it in personal terms, have you ever had a time when you felt kind of like God let you down? You ever had a time where you kind of felt like God failed you? Or God didn't meet the expectations that you had for God? Or have you had a time or a season where you felt disillusioned with God? And maybe you thought or or even had the guts to say out loud, God, I thought you were going to make my life go more smoothly, but it hasn't. Or maybe, and I, I do mean this, you had the guts to pray, God, I was supposed to have this good thing happen to me and you didn't let it. Or, God, why did I not get this position I wanted? I'm still in that one. Or, God... You were supposed to make my depression go away five years ago, and it hasn't. Or, God, my life isn't supposed to be this way. It's supposed to be that way. Have you ever thought any of those? John, in Matthew 3, last week, is uh, weird and wild and in the wilderness. And we're told his weird wardrobe of, you know, a camel moo-moo of sorts, eating locusts and preaching really fire and brimstone. Repent, and people are, and they're confessing their sins, and they're being baptized earnestly, confessing their sins, coming to faith, wanting to follow the true God. And there's this crowd, and he's ready to, to plow the way, make way, pass the baton and torch to Jesus, And then Jesus comes in his ministry and actually almost copy-paste words from Jesus, from John to Jesus. Jesus comes and says, repent, the kingdom of God is here. And then right when Jesus starts his ministry, around Matthew 3, we're told, beginning of 4, that John is in prison. He's arrested and taken into prison. And then this whole time of ministry, we're now to chapter 11. But we're told in four, this whole time John is in prison while Jesus is doing ministry. And John is having this sort of crisis of faith, you might say. Well, how did John get there? In brief, he spoke his mind, and the political rulers in charge didn't like it. Not a democracy, no free speech, you're in prison. That is Herod's son, Herod of Jesus' birth, called Herod the Great, his son, Herod Antipas, upon his Herod Sr.'s death, got put in charge of Galilee you know, uh, region. And so he then, it's kind of like a big soap opera, but he fell in love with his half-brother, I have to read my notes here especially, half-brother's wife, and then uh, you know, finagled them to divorce and him to divorce, uh, and then get married, and, and John said, hey, that's not right. That's not, what, that's not what God wants for marriage or for you. And Herod Antipas didn't want to hear that. He did not want to hear the truth. And so he arrests John and puts him in prison. And he puts him in prison in one of Herod's three beautiful mountaintop palaces that he builds, his father built. And you can go to this one today. It's, it's on the east of the 
uh, Dead Sea in modern-day Jordan. It's called Macaris. You can actually look it up on Google Maps and see some great pictures. And you can go there, and you can go to what we probably know to be the prison area. There's only one there. And stand there and know that you're probably pretty close to exactly where John was imprisoned and later killed. And while John rotted in a cold, dark cell with no rights, his perspective changes with his location. He's no longer the great prophet prophesying. He's now questioning. And instead of running his mouth, it's probably his mind that's running. God, what, what's going on? I'm not supposed to be here, God. I'm supposed to be out there uh, preaching the, the good news and calling people to repentance. I'm supposed to be upsetting world order and, and making way for the Messiah. This isn't part of the plan, God. What's going on? And so then John says, sends his disciples, common for somebody like him to gather disciples, teach them, train them, send them out. Some of them get sent to Jesus to become Jesus' disciples. But they send him to Jesus just to ask him. Go and find and ask Jesus and ask, are you the one? Are you it, Jesus? Or shall we look for another? And I'm glad he has the guts to ask that. Are you it? Are, are you? Because if you're it, it seems that John is saying this, if you're it, why am I still rotting here in prison? Why is my life going this way? Why do, why do things look really bad? Why, if you're it and I'm the forerunner, why am I not, you know, with you, with crowds? Why doesn't this look better? Jesus, I think you should be a little different than you are. I think John is having a, a crisis of faith, and he feels let down by God. And Jesus is not meeting his, his expectations, and yes, he's having some real doubts. Do you believe that sometimes even the most holy people you know might wrestle with the mission of Jesus? Or even some of your mentors in the faith might have seasons where they are disillusioned with Jesus. Or maybe the most faithful, godly person you know might have a crisis of faith. A modern, famous modern example is that Mother Teresa, late in life, let it be known that much of her long ministry, she felt abandoned by God and said, I didn't feel God's presence much of the time, yet she kept faithfully serving. And I wonder if at some point each and every one of us might look around at our life and some circumstances and things that go wrong and wonder if Jesus is what we truly need and if Jesus is enough. And we might be tempted to want Jesus to be something else or someone else or just a little different than he is. Maybe we want Jesus to be our uh, motivational speaker or maybe we want Jesus sometimes to be our, our sales increaser. Or our, churches wrestle with this, attendance increaser. Or maybe we want Jesus to be our influence spreader or our status raiser. Or, or simply, on a humanly level, just make my life a little easier and solve a few, or more, a few more of my problems. And sometimes, even the greatest prophets, and probably you and me, have some ideas of what we think Jesus should be doing. Sometimes we have great 
plans for what Jesus is going to do for us. You say, Jesus, why didn't I get that job? That job was supposed to take me to the next level in the company and put me into better places. That, why didn't that happen? Or why can't we have children? That, that was the plan, that we had everything planned out. And, and, or sometimes really hard things in life. Like some of you say, why, why did my father or mother die so suddenly? Or why am I so uncomfortable in my own body? Or Jesus, do you really forgive what I did? Or are, are you really with me? That's prob- those are probably our versions of John's words. Jesus, are you the one or shall I look for another? Jesus, are, are you really the one to give my life the meaning I so desperately need? Or should I shop around a bit? So yes, sometimes... I think it's the honest thing to say, is that you might feel let down by Jesus. And there's an unsaid apologetics note on stories like this, is that they're in the Gospels. Nobody wrote them out. It makes a, what I would call a hero of the faith, John the Baptizer, look bad. And the Gospel writers say, no, this this is the truth, and it points even deeper and greater to who Jesus really is and what he's done. And so none of the failures are written out of the Gospel accounts. If you were trying to make something up, you would sanitize this out real fast. And us, like John, sometimes you might feel let down by Jesus. If you can look into the manger with the eyes and heart of faith, or if you can look at the cross of Jesus with the eyes of faith, The real Jesus might not be what you're expecting, and it might not be what you even want, but he is more than enough for your soul. He is more than enough to give you the deep meaning you need. Maybe not what you want, but he is absolutely what you need, and he is way more than just enough. And truthfully, if you read many Christian writers on this story, commentaries from centuries and centuries back, thousand plus years back, they all struggle with this story. And so most Christian commentators over the famous names, Luther, Calvin, others, kind of fumble around to try to say that, well, John was, uh, he, knew the, he knew Jesus was, but he was trying to test his disciples to make sure that they knew. And it's kind of this uh, weird kind of thing of, of just, in some ways, wrestling with, uh, could, he, could he really be this low and wondering if Jesus is the one And then what does Jesus say? What is his reply when the the disciples come and say, are you the one? Should we look for another? He doesn't say yes or no. He says, my time's not not here yet. Uh, He gives a cryptic answer like he often does. But he he says, go and tell John what you hear and see. And what you hear and see are the things, like we saw in Isaiah, that are prophesied will happen when the Messiah comes. What do you hear and see? The blind see. The lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have good news preached to them. Blessed is the one, literally, who does not give up their faith because of me. So this is where it kind of gets a little strange in the story. John is wondering, Jesus, are you really the Messiah? Are you really the one? And John's heard about Jesus. He already knows these stories. He knows about the miracles, the feeding, the healing, the dead raised. He knows all these, and these aren't the problem. 
It's not like John says, if I hear about one more blind person seeing, I'm going to lose my faith and I'm out, Jesus. Right? He doesn't say that. He's saying, I'm rotting in a prison cell. I, I at least would have thought preparing the way for Jesus meant I don't have to do this. Right? And maybe there's a piece of all of us that say, Jesus, if I'm going to follow you, maybe at least I don't have to do whatever. And the answer is, Jesus does not promise an easy life. But he absolutely promises that he is more than enough. And that he is absolutely who you need far more than what you want. Prison cells, like John's, are real, like John's. And Jesus is always more than enough. That's what I see. One of the things I see in the story, prison cells are real. What John's going through is absolutely real. What you are going through and have gone through is absolutely real. And Jesus is still always more than enough. Go, go and tell him what you've seen and heard. Yes, the good news is coming. But John probably wanted Jesus to come on stage and kick some serious behind. And it doesn't look like that's happening. See, John came like Elijah, fiery, and, and uh, probably wanted Jesus to be fiery like Elijah on Mount Carmel with the prophets of Baal and, and preach against Herod and the Romans just like John did. And he's wanting Jesus to, to rail against all the political leaders and maybe gather an army and, and kick them out. But at the very least, John probably thinks, get me out of prison. And where is Jesus this whole time from when we know John gets arrested in chapter 4 to chapter 11 when we have this story of his crisis of faith? Where is Jesus? He is way up in Galilee, walking around, door to door, telling people outrageous things like, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. He's forgiving prostitutes. He's befriending tax collectors and eating with the people nobody else would. He's healing even the child of a Roman centurion. He's feeding thousands of people. He's making a crippled man walk in this little tiny village over here, making some water into wine into tiny water into wine in tiny Cana, and he's in these backwater villages and backwater Galilee doing his own small thing while John rots in prison. God, you're letting me down. Yes, prison cells are real, but Jesus is always more than enough for John and for you. You see, John might have wanted Jesus to come in fire and brimstone and maybe even violence, but Jesus comes in mercy and grace and compassion and forgiveness. And John absolutely needed his sins forgiven too. And John seemed to want something temporary, and Jesus was about to give him something eternal. Yes, your prison cells are real, whatever they are, and Jesus is always more than enough. Your hard thing, whatever it is, whether it's going on now or or has been going on, it's real. And Jesus is the one who comes and says, Come to me, all you who are weak and weary, and I will give you rest. Your financial trouble is is real. 
And Jesus is more than enough. And God promises maybe not to to give you everything you've ever hoped and wanted for, but he absolutely will provide for your needs. Your struggle to forgive someone who's truly hurt you, that's real. And Jesus is more than enough. Jesus, as he was being killed for you and for me, forgave his enemies. Father, forgive them that they don't even know what they're doing. Or maybe it's your unfulfilled dream that's made you feel like you're in your own prison. Jesus says, my peace I leave you. Not as the world gives, I I give you a different kind of peace. And when he leaves his disciples, he says, I am always with you to the very end of time. Or how about Paul, when he asked over and over again, God, take this terrible thing away, what, what is... The Lord respond to him, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. So John may have wanted a Messiah of success and popularity or something different. And sometimes you and me want that too. But Jesus came absolutely as the Savior you and me and John needed. The true comforter, the true lamb of God to take away my sin, your sin, his sin. The true sacrifice for you, the true presence of God. And he died so that you and I will truly live. Prison cells are real for John and for you. And Jesus is always more than enough. Your discontent at your position at work is real. And Jesus may not promise you a promotion, but he will give you contentment in your vocation as you serve others. Your sudden loss or grief is is real. And you might want Jesus to simply take it away immediately. But Jesus promises to sit with you even in your darkest moment and stay with you and never leave you. He is Emmanuel, God with you. Jesus is absolutely more than enough. The baby in the manger, if we have the eyes of faith to see, is God who has come to rescue you. He is God who truly loves you unconditionally and forgives you freely and repeatedly over and over each and every day. And he absolutely will give you true hope and true meaning to even your most mundane, ordinary days. And yes, Jesus is strong enough to handle your disappointments. Yes, prison cells are real for John, for you, and for me. And Jesus is more than enough.